0: I don't know. I don't know, man. (laughs) That doesn't really matter to me. All that matters is that you guys saw that clip. Um, And, you know, I actually used to be a marching band back in the day. Um, (laughs) I uh, was on the drum line, but in college I played uh, saxophone. If this'll... this'll, Where do I point this? (laughs) It's on! Okay, there we go. There I am. You see me with the... uh, right there with the sax. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I used to do marching band in college and I did drumline all throughout middle school and high school. Um, And in my experience, uh, I can tell you it's pretty difficult to pull off what that band just did, especially with all the extra stuff that they added in there. Um, It may look super easy from the bleachers, from the video or whatever, um, but for a band of that size, it takes a lot to get everything going like that. So let's just talk about all the different parts, you know, that have to go into it. So first of all, for a band that big, there's normally one, or excuse me, there's at least one, but normally two, potentially three band directors, right? Um, and the band directors first have to choose the music, then they have to just choose how they want it conducted. They have a lot of freedom uh, with how they want the show, with things as such as speed, the volume level, all that. Um, they then have to work with the three drum majors and instruct them on how to conduct the show, and they also have to create and teach the drill, which is just a fancy way of saying where everybody has to stand at various times. That's how they make the formations. You know what, guys? We'd actually be here all day if I tried to break down exactly what everybody did uh, to make a marching band good, but uh, let's just go through all the different aspects. So we have the band directors, the dance instructors, the drum majors, section leaders, the color guard, the majorettes, the drum line with several sections and subsections, uh, the pit with several sections and subsections, as well as the brass and woodwinds with several sections and subsections. Basically, there are a lot of components that go into having a successful marching band. Um, But if even one person gets off, it can tend to throw off the entire show. So I want to ask you guys, what shape is that? yell it out oh good good guess i guess (laughs) a smiley face with one eye you know okay point is it's not so easy to tell right but look at this what face is that a smile you got it alba thank you (laughs) but that's a smiley face right but when just three people were missing it throws off the entire formation Right? The whole band hurts because maybe those three people decided that they didn't feel like they were needed. Potentially they felt inferior to the people who got to be in leadership positions. You know, maybe they felt uh, like they couldn't compare to the drum majors who got to conduct the band. But when they left, the entire band hurt as a whole. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today is that when uh, we as a body of Christ, How everybody has a part to play in it. Sorry, I just messed that up completely. (laughs) Um, But everybody has a part to play in the body of Christ. So let's pray and then let's dive into the text. Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for all of us being able to get here safely, um, just to come together and worship you in unity and in fellowship. Father, I just pray that you're with me as I speak today. Uh, Lord, just that I can decrease and you truly allow the students and the leaders here to. Just hear your voice and not mine, and reveal to them what you want revealed to them. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 and 14 say, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. So just a bit of context for you guys. Right here, Paul is addressing the church in Corinth, and he's responding to them uh, regarding a letter that they sent to him regarding several issues that they wrote to him about. And now a big issue in, in the church of Corinth was that certain gifts were being elevated above others. For example, if I had the gift of teaching and Lee had the gift of discernment, people might favor me a little bit more than Lee. Basically, the more upfront gifts were being praised, while the ones that maybe a little bit more quiet were forgotten about. What Paul is telling the Corinthians is that all gifts, not some gifts, but all gifts are necessary in order to serve the body well. I'll let you guys know, first thing I'm going to say about this is I don't have the mind to do all the work that our wonderful admins Donna and Trish do. Donna and Trish are an essential part of this ministry. They're diligent and hard workers, and I just don't have the same gifting that they do. But if our team was solely comprised of people who had similar giftings or the same gifting that I had, nothing would ever get done. You guys get that? Um, Paul is teaching that the body needs a diversity of gifts in order to function, and that no gift is more important than another. So some of you guys are probably wondering, well, what's my gift, you know? Um, how do I fit into the body? Well, come back next week and we'll talk about that. (laughs) But today I want you guys to truly understand that we all do have a role to play within the body. Paul basically says right here, it doesn't matter what your background is, right? He says Jew or Gentile, slave or free, young or old, parent or student. Once we accept Christ, we are all baptized by the same spirit. Now, Here, when Paul talks about baptism, he's not talking about water baptism, right? But rather he's talking about spirit baptism, which is when we as believers receive the Holy Spirit. This is the initial experience that really happens when you accept Jesus into your heart. And I believe that the significance of Paul saying it here is that he's saying it's not something that happens later on in your walk with Christ, right? You're baptized by the Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit. And what's important about that is is that he's saying no one has an excuse not to be serving within their local church body. No one in the Corinthian church has an excuse not to be serving because they've already been blessed with a gift to be used for his kingdom. He's saying from the moment that you become a believer, you become a part of the body, and as a body of believers, we need to be unified. But what exactly does that look like? Right? We're all one body. Well, okay, now what? What does that mean? (laughs) Well, I believe that Romans 12 tells us what that means. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your spirit, or excuse me, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So let's just break this down, take it little by little. And so let's just start with verse four right here. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. That's first four. So, does anybody here, you guys are in school, I'm not, do any of you guys here know how many different individual body parts, cells, and organisms make up the body? How many? <laughs> all of them. All right, well, don't expect me to tell you because that's why I went into ministry and not biology. Uh, <laughs> but, anyways. We have so many, so many <laughs> different body parts with different functions. And you know what, for a long time, there were people who believed that some body parts were just completely useless. For example, the appendix. You know, according to the theories of Charles Darwin, the appendix was a vestigial structure useless and devoid of function. It might even be seen as potentially dangerous to health due to the risk of inflammation of the organ. So if your appendix grew in flames, what they would do is they would just pluck it out. You know, you don't need this. You know, forget about it. (laughs) Um, Well, recent studies have actually proved otherwise. So the presence of the appendix is actually correlated with an increase in the maximum longevity observed for a species. Compared to mammals of the same weight without an appendix, mammals with an appendix have a longer lifespan. Now, the reason that this is believed to be the case is uh, actually a little bit gross, so I'm not going to go into it all the way, Um, but the appendix, the gist of it is that the appendix is believed to house healthy bacteria that will ultimately reduce mortality and increase the lifespan of a mammal. Basically, your body has many different parts with many different functions, but they are all essential in some way or another. And you know what? Verse 5 tells us that just like in the human body, the body of Christ has many members with many different functions. (laughs) But uh, this is what stands out to me the most about verse 5. It says, each member belongs to all the others. Paul is saying here that we are not given our giftings and our, our abilities to use just for ourselves. We're not given it to use in service of ourselves. And you know what? The beginning of this chapter, the beginning of Romans 12, actually starts off by saying this. And it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Right here, Paul is saying that we're supposed to present our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. Right? That means that I don't live for myself. I don't do everything that I do for myself. I don't put myself first. And I don't selfishly use my giftings and my abilities for my own personal gain. But I do serve the church body because we belong to each other. And guys, that doesn't mean that you just serve, 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 serve and get nothing in return. Right? But I want you guys to think about it. You go to church to get fed spiritually And especially in the youth, you guys get fed physically too, a lot. Um, But uh, just as you belong to the church, the church belongs to you. The church teaches us. The church picks us up when we're down. The church church rejoices with us when we're up. It provides us with services and community, a place to gather, a place to grow. Hmm. But the most important reason that we serve right of course that's one of the reasons that we serve is because the church is just as much a part of us as we're a part of the church but the most important reason that we serve is that this is our true and proper form of worship guys worship isn't just when amos and the band gets up here with guitars and drums and keys worship is a lifestyle right the most common word For worship in the Bible literally means to bend over or to bow down. It describes a gesture of respect or of submission to either human beings, to gods, or to idols. Rather, excuse me, to God or to idols. Bowing down isn't just a one time thing, submission isn't just a one time thing, but it is a lifestyle in response to God's goodness. In response to God's grace, we don't just want you guys to bow down in stature and posture. I don't want to just get here and bow down one time, right? But I want you guys to bow down with your life. Give it over to the Lord. And this next point is something I really want you guys to understand and think about. But submission is active, not passive. What does that mean? It means that you have to try to submit. It means that you must actively submit to the Lord every day. Guys, when I get up in the morning, I don't always feel like reading my Bible. (laughs) I don't always feel like reading my Bible. But what I've learned to start to do is to submit to God every day, actively. Sometimes in my flesh, I can be prideful and think that I know better than the authority figures over me at work. So you know what, every day I have to actively submit to those above me. And as students, you guys have to actively submit to your parents and to your teachers every day. And part of this submission, part of being actively submissive is serving in the church body. So we're gonna keep going with that, but before we do, let's head to our first set of table questions. Take five minutes to answer these two questions. How are you currently showing submission to the leaders in your life? And how can we ensure that we are actively submitting and not just passively submitting? Take five minutes at your tables and then we'll come back. So, I want you guys to answer for me. How can we ensure that we're actively submitting and not just passively submitting? Landon. Consciously choosing to obey and listen. And what does that look like for you? Nice. What else? What does it look like to ensure that you're actively submitting? You guys want me to get a candy bowl up here to toss out candy? (laughs) (laughs) Actively submitting. What does that look like? What was that, Andrew? Topping? What was that? Yeah, what does it look like to actively submit? Mm. Yeah, and I think that that's true. I think that's exactly what it kind of looks like, right? Part of actively, or part of active submission is being proactive in the things that you're supposed to do, right? So if you know that every time that the trash can is full, you're supposed to take it out, then why do you guys keep waiting for your parents to ask you to do it? (laughs) And, you know, I was definitely guilty of that back in the day. Um, But actively submit to them and do it before they ask you, right? Of course, if, if they ask you to take out the trash and you do it, you're still submitting, but then you're doing that passively, right? We want you guys to be proactive and think about it beforehand. Similarly, if you know that you're good with people and you want to make people feel welcome, Why don't you join our greeter team run by one of our uh, wonderful youth associates, Sterling Wilson. Sameless plug. Um, (laughs) But uh, seriously, guys, don't wait until we ask you to serve, right? We want to see you all actively submitting, not to us by serving, but actively submitting to the Lord by seeing how you can serve within your local church. Here's the thing. We want you to serve here because this is where you get fed spiritually, right? But if you mainly go to the main service or if you go to another church and that's where you get fed, then find a way to serve there. (laughs) The point here is that you shouldn't have to wait for someone to ask you, but rather actively submit to the Lord. Again, actively submit to the Lord, not to us, not to your leaders. Um, We'll still actively submit to them, (laughs) Um, but actively submit to the Lord in worship by serving the body of Christ. So let's continue. Romans 12, let's go through 6 and 8 this time, or 6 through 8 rather. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. So we keep going back to this idea, right, of, uh, of the, excuse me, of the fact that all of us have different gifts and the fact that we need to use them. But what if you know your gift and you get frustrated because it isn't acknowledged as much? You know, what if you know your gift but um, every time that you end up serving, you don't really get thanked or get praised? You know what guys, when I was in middle school, I first started playing saxophone and I used to get frustrated. I used to get frustrated because I didn't get, I didn't feel cool or important because my section never got the melody. Right? Uh, we always got the counter melody. Basically, if we were playing uh, Baby by Justin Bieber, I wouldn't get the. Dun, 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 you know? I wouldn't get that part, but rather I would get the part that sounds like. Um, you guys know those karaoke videos that sound really bland because they cut out the main part um, for, you know, basically if you've ever been to summer camp and you've seen leader karaoke uh, where Aaron Osborne has done it, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, so my section would always get the counter melody. But uh, I remember when I, get to high sc- when I got to high school... And some of the pieces that we were playing were just a little bit more complex. And so occasionally my section did have the opportunity of having the melody. And uh, let me tell you guys, it, it was hard. <laughs> it was hard. Having the melody in a song often means that your part is going to be a little bit more difficult than everybody else. right? It means that the band director is going to start expecting a bit more from you and from your section. It was hard and it came with a level of responsibility because when you have the melody, you're really the one driving the song forward, right? And so the spotlight is kind of shining on you in that moment and you have, to take, uh, you have to take your practicing into your own hands. It's not enough to just practice during class hours. You gotta practice all the time on your own to really ensure that you're getting that melody. And you know, I thought I wanted the spotlight so badly but when I got it, I realized that I wasn't quite ready for the responsibility or for the pressure yet. So if you're ever thinking that you want to be in the spotlight or you want a gift that's flashy to people, I want you to consider a few things right here. First, you have to think about the time and effort that goes in behind the scenes, right? So I have the God-given gift of teaching, right? Come straight from the Lord, nothing to do with me. On a Sunday morning, I get up and I teach for about 40 minutes, and that may look cool to some of you guys, um, but what you probably don't realize is the 20 plus hours that I can spend over the course of several days preparing for these 40 minute messages. Just researching, prepping, talking to people, you know, going over my message and studying. Additionally, you have to be prepared to uh, answer any questions that come afterward. So, you know, there's a little bit of a level of preparation you have to do there as well. And I'm not saying that I don't enjoy it. I'm not discouraging you guys from, doing, or from pursuing certain roles with your giftings. But I just want you to consider that there is also a little bit of extra weight and responsibility that comes with certain gifts. God created us all differently and with specific purposes and characteristics. My prayer is that you find your purpose, you find your gifting, and that you play into that role. And secondly, the second thing I want you to consider when you think about, oh, I want a gift that's more flashy, I want a gift that people will see, here's the second thing I want you to think about. Why do you want your gift to be seen by people? Is it to glorify God or is it to glorify you? Guys, when I teach, of course I want everybody here to hear it, but my hope in me preaching, my hope in me teaching you guys is that you guys hear it and God will use it to impact you but I'm not doing it to glorify myself. Like I said before, the reason that we serve is because it's an act of worship and submission to the Lord. You can serve for the wrong reasons. And I want to tell you guys right now that if you just want to serve to look cool, if you just want to serve to make yourself busy, I would encourage you to hold off a little bit on serving. We want you guys to be serving for the right reasons. I want you to serve with a joyful heart, with the gifting that the Lord has blessed you with. I want you to serve as an act of worship to God. And if you ever think that you're serving from a from a, pr- if you ever think that you're serving from a place of pride, pray about it. I didn't realize I put that tongue twister in there. Um, but a big piece of advice that I was given when I first got this job was to always check my heart and to examine my motives. I constantly have to pray to God not to let my ego get inflated when I teach and somebody comes and says, wow, Sterling, you did such a good job. I have to pray to God not to let my pride overcome me. Guys, we should all strive to serve like Jesus, who was just such a servant leader. He was God, and yet he served out of a place of humbleness. He served out of a place of love for his people. And that's how I want you guys to serve. That's how I I want to serve. That's how we should all serve. And here Paul basically says, whatever role you have, do it well and do it with a joyful attitude. Guys, one of my favorite people in the world is Leighton Tibbetts. He's one of our leaders here if you don't know him. he is one of my favorite people in the world. Leighton has the gift of service and he's one of the hardest workers that I know. But what I love most about Leighton isn't how much he serves or, or how hard of a worker he is or what a big help he is, which he is all of those things. But what I love most about Leighton is his attitude when he serves. After pretty much every event that Leighton is at, he comes up to me and he says, what can I do to help? And if I say, can you put out the tables? He does it with a smile. If I say, can you take out the trash, he does it with a smile. And I don't have to ask him, but I know that if I said, can you go scrub those toilets with your bare hands, he would do it with a smile. And the reason that Leighton is able to do this with such a joyful attitude is because he's not serving me. He's not serving Lee, Christina. He's not just serving the student ministry, but he is able to serve so willingly and with a joyful attitude and a joyful smile. Because he's serving the Lord before anything else. Colossians 3, 23-24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Guys, this is critical to service. As much as I truly love you guys, I'm not doing it just to serve you. I'm not doing it just to please you. I'm only doing it for my reward in heaven. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) But um, I do have to constantly remind myself that God is my first and only master. And everything I do, I must do to serve him. And that is the reason why there are certain things within this job, there are certain things within my own life that I will never bend on if I have conviction on it from the Lord. I serve you guys, I serve your parents, I serve the leaders, but I serve God first before any man or woman. Now guys, I have three applications that I want to give you, but before I do, uh, I want to read this comment from biblical scholar and commentator Craig Blomberg, uh, and he says the following about service, and just stick with me, it's a little bit of a longer quote. Once a person is reasonably sure how he or she has been gifted, that person needs an outlet for service. This fact has staggering implications for the way churches must be organized. Opportunities within worship must be made, whether at the level of a small or large group, for every member to participate in ways that the Spirit leads, even if it is not planned for for in the order of service. Leadership must encourage each member to exercise his or her gifts within the local body of believers. When it is time to fill the slots of church responsibilities, people should be matched with areas of their strengths and not their weaknesses. And members ought willingly to volunteer for jobs in those areas without waiting to be asked. So, three applications for you. Give me one sec. Three applications for you. Application one, we all have a role to play. Number two, you need to seek out that role. And number three you need to grow in that role number 1 so let's go back to the marching band example when the band director creates the drill remember that's where everybody stands on the field every formation that is made is contingent upon every single person being there now that may sound excessive but it's true and it's necessary the band needs every single person there and there is a part written specifically for each individual similarly The body of Christ needs each of us. As church leaders, there's only so much that we can do without volunteers, right? Lee, Christina, and I were the three people over this ministry, but we would go insane trying to do everything here by ourselves. But it's not just about numbers, right? It's not just about how many people we have, but it's truly about the fact that we need a diverse variety of gifts and abilities. You guys don't always see Dennis Buck back there in the sound booth, uh, along with all the sound booth people that work back there with him. Uh, but let me tell you guys, I'm pretty much useless back there. And you guys definitely don't want me up here when Amos is singing worship. I'm, <laughs> that's not my gifting, truly. Um, but we have leaders with a diverse skill set that completes the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 27. Wow, that's so small. Um, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you has a part in it. Every part and every gift is essential to healthy and continued growth within the body. But what if there are no opportunities for me, though? right what if I don't fit into the worship group or to the sound booth or on the greeter team which you guys should join um what if I don't fit in to any of those areas? well guys, that takes us to the next application that I have, which is that we need to seek out that role you know part of what Lee Christina and I do here is uh or ha- excuse me part of what Lee Christine and I have to do as leaders is provide ample opportunities for all of you guys to serve and to exercise your spiritual gifts but it's not all on us. right? So the other day after seeing a video that I made, Jonah Rowe, uh, where are you? Where are you? He's here somewhere. I don't see him. There he is. (laughs) The other day, Jonah Rowe, he shot me a text and he said to me, hey, if you need a guy next time that you make a senior high video, let me know. I'm a great actor. And I was super excited about that because Jonah saw an opportunity and he actively sought it out. Now to me, If someone says that they're a great actor, that means that they're a public speaker. So literally the next day I shot him a text asking if he could do scripture reading for worship and warfare, right? Sadly, he couldn't make it to the event, but the point is that the opportunity was given. Jonah noticed and he acknowledged his gifting and I proceeded to provide him with an opportunity to serve. And I'm gonna continue providing him with opportunities to serve. We don't have an acting team here that's not a role you'd even normally think about within a church, right? But Jonah saw an opportunity, he acknowledged his gifting, and he sought it out. And guys, something else that you can do is create your own role. <laughs> Let me tell you, in our young adults ministry, we have a guy named Ruben, who uh, one day said to a friend of his, hey, let's have some guys over to my house for breakfast and discipleship, right? And that led, that was two years ago, that led to an amazing and healthy period of growth in our young adults men's ministry, right? Um, Now, once a quarter, we do a men's breakfast in the senior high room or the junior high room. We get uh, older men who are more experienced and wiser than we are to pour into us. And not only that, but Ruben, with a team of volunteers, they put on a young adults men's retreat last year, right? And uh, all volunteer work. And that was, those were opportunities that they themselves sought out, Right, So Reuben here, he saw that there was a need. He stepped up, created that role for himself after acknowledging his gifting. Right, But he didn't just leave it at that, but rather he continued to grow in his role. And that takes us to our last application. Grow in your role. Guys, in the position that I'm in right now, I'm constantly striving to grow. And I want to continue to grow because I want to do my role with a degree of excellence. And that's not to glorify myself, that's not so afterwards you guys say, wow, Sterling, you're so swell, right? <laughs> no I said swell. <laughs> um, but again, it's not to glorify me, it's to glorify God. When we grow in our roles, we help the church body to grow overall. Before I worked here, I was volunteering with, oh, I still do, but I was volunteering in young adults, and I started having some opportunities to teach there. And when I started doing that, I leaned heavily onto David Wright. He's the young adult pastor. I leaned heavily onto his mentorship and his feedback because I knew that he was someone who had the same gifting that I had, right? And even David Wright, what he teaches his messages, he goes to Jim Supp for feedback, right? (laughs) Guys, growth doesn't just look like an increase of the numbers of opportunities that you have to serve, (laughs) but it looks like you feeding and you nurturing your gift. You can do that through mentorship. You can do that through feedback from your peers, from brothers, trusted brothers and sisters in Christ, from feedback from your small group leaders, feedback from your parents. Guys, every single time that I teach, I ask Lee and Christina for feedback on my message. Even as I was preparing for today, I ran through the message with my friend, Memma. I ran through my message with my dad. I ran ran through the message with my friend, John. Guys, if you truly want to grow in your gift, and you truly want to cultivate your gift, my advice to you is to find somebody who's a little bit older and a little bit wiser than you are, that has a similar gifting to you, and ask them to mentor you. But here's the important part. I really want you guys to listen to this. You don't stop developing your gift after senior high. You do not stop serving after senior high. My genuine prayer and desire for you guys is that when you all graduate from high school, that you find a way to continue nurturing and feeding your gift and the church body, whether that be at RBC or whether that be somewhere else. And I just want to let you guys know that it's okay. It's, it's okay if you do not know what your gifting is yet. It's truly okay. <laughs> it's okay if you're not sure what your role is yet. But you need to know that you do have a role and you do have a gift. Well, guys, today or last week, we helped you understand what the church is. Today, we talked about the fact that you have a part to play in the church. And next week, we're going to talk about how you find your specific gift and how you can use it to best serve the church, right? So we have about five more minutes. Uh, I'm going to let you guys answer these last couple of questions. Do one more table time. I'll come back up and I'll pray and I'll close this out. So uh, the two questions here are what does it look like for you to live your life as a living sacrifice to God and how are you currently worshiping God through your lifestyle and your choices? Five minutes and I'll come back up and close this out. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. And uh, before, before I pray, I just want to read this verse to you one more time. Romans 12:1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let's pray. Father God, you are just the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the creator of the universe who loved us so much that you would send down your son to live a perfect life and to die on the cross. Raising up three days later, defeating death, sin and death, so we no longer have to identify with it, Lord. But rather now, once we accept you into our hearts, we get to call you Abba, Father. What an awesome thing. God, I just pray that this message uh, sunk in and that, Lord, even in my own life, that you will help me uh, to continue to worship you, God, with acts of service, to worship you with my lifestyle, with my choices. God, I just pray that you remind everybody here that they have a role to play within your body, even if they don't know what it is yet. We can all figure that out together. Lord, we love you. We give you all praise, honor, and glory. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.